are probably going to hear lawnmowers, weed eaters, trucks, motorcycles, all that stuff in the background. It is a beautiful Sunday, May 23rd. Everybody's out. Everybody's doing some things, including us, except our doing stuff is inside. And that's Edge of Your Seat Podcast. This is episode 172. I am your host, Brandon LaChance. Feeling it. Got to do a podcast today. Loving the weekend. Hopefully you enjoyed yours. Yesterday on Saturday made my debut as a solo soccer coach. Been co-coaching for the last three weeks with my buddy, my friend, Kayla Adams. We've been co-coaching a six and seven year old soccer team for Mays, Mendota Area Youth Soccer. We were one to know as we won game one, one nothing. The second week got canceled because of weather. This was our third week. Kayla couldn't make it, had other plans, other things she had to do. So I coach and man, it was so hot, so sunny. Six, seven year olds wanted to sit in the sun. They all talked about jumping in a pool. None of them wanted to play soccer. Unfortunately for us, the other team did. <laughs> they did not quit. They kept playing. They had a good five or six people on the ball at all times and just kept going. We probably had two or three kids on the ball at all time, and everybody else was walking, not running, just gassed. I was making regular, very regular breaks, getting kids in and out, but it was so hot. They were sweating before the game even started. And we heard every bit about it. They didn't want to play. I get it too. If I was their age, I wouldn't want to. So I asked them at the end. They had a good time. Yes. They're like, hey, we lost. I'm like, yeah, you did. They started to complain. I was like, well, you're going to lose if you quit playing. The other team kept playing. You didn't. That's why we lost. It's not a big deal. We got another week. We got another like five weeks of games where we can win again and score more goals and get better as soccer players. And they said, okay, awesome. We're like, have a good weekend. Let's go. It's awesome. I love coaching. It's a very cool thing. I thought six and seven year olds was going to be weird. I don't have any kids. You know, I got tons of nieces and nephews and my best friends and stuff like that that I look at as brothers and sisters. They have kids that look at me as like a kind of a mafia uncle sort of thing. <laughs> I'm just everybody's mafia uncle. But it's cool. Like I really, really enjoy it. It might be something that I stick with for quite a long time. I know they need coaches for the youth sports and you know, just give them some guidance, some advice, that's all you can do. You can't coach them X's and O's. A, they're not remembering. A, their attention span isn't to that level yet. But they're there to play, they're running, they're trying to build teamwork and things like that. So that's what we do. Teamwork, let's not be rude, let's be good kids, let's be good sports, and that's what we're doing. It's a lot of fun. I'll probably keep doing it. Unfortunately, we lost 4-0, but I believe it's six, seven-year-olds, even when we won. It's like, hey, it's cool we won. It's really not about a win-loss record. We didn't tell it to anybody. It didn't get put on like a standings bracket. There's not going to be you know, MVP awards and championship banquets and nothing like that. It's just for fun. Kids getting the opportunity to go outside and do something. It's a beautiful thing. That was just the beginning of the weekend. Also met my mom, did a lunch, watched some TV, watched one of my all-time favorite movies, Back to the Future. I watched a top 10 movies of 1985. That was the year I was born. So I was like, I'm going to check it out, see what number one is. And number one was Back to the Future. I was kind of surprised. I thought it was going to be Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club came in number two, Back to the Future one. So I started my Sunday by waking up to Back to the Future while I was jotting some stuff down for this amazing episode 172 of Edge of Your Sleep Podcast. Let's do the plugs. Don't know where you're listening to this show, but you can check out Edge of Your Sleep Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and our website, www.rss.com backslash podcast with an S backslash Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Hit us up on social media. Edge of Your Seat Podcast on Facebook and Twitter is Edge of Your CP. Any questions, suggestions, you want to be a guest. You know somebody that would be a good guest. You want to advertise with us. 
anything, 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 email edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. On this episode, we have Mike Parsons from the Kiwani area, graduated from Kiwani Weathersfield in 2012, member of the Anawan Weathersfield co-op football team, did a lot of things athletically, and now is umpiring, refereeing athletic events, including college ball, college baseball. He's an ump. So we caught up with him at the end of April. I think it was April 20th, April 21. Fast forward about a month, and we're getting this awesome, awesome conversation out to you. Mike was a great guest, talking a lot about sports, had a lot of mentors. He shares their wisdom with us that they shared to him, if that makes sense. Kind of like a ping pong ball of advice, sports-wise, coaching-wise, umpiring-wise. This was a great, great, great combo. This episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast is brought to you by Shimmer Mendota Ford, a community dealership that is here for you. Before we jump into a lot of high school sports and accomplishments, which we love to do every episode, got to give a shout out to all of the students graduating. Congrats on attending prom. Saw some photos. Everybody looking good. You know, this is that time of the year, actually a little later than normal, but you're getting to do all those things when we didn't know who you're going to with COVID-19. So happy you enjoyed prom. Congratulations on enduring the four years of high school getting that diploma, and getting ready for that next chapter of your life. Congratulations to each and every single one of you. Like I said, a little lighter than normal, though, and sports are doing the same thing because everything got pushed a little bit. IHSA did their little COVID-19 protocol and divided things up into four seasons of sports this year instead of three. So we had a fall, a late winter, a late spring, And then the spring sports that are usually starting in March started in like mid-April and now we're going to end in June. So probably after everybody's already graduated. But they're still getting to play. It's still going on. We're still going to talk about it because that's what we do here at Edge of Your Seat Podcast. We're going to go back to Thursday, May 20th. Start from there. Move up to Saturday because obviously nothing going on on a Sunday. On the baseball field on Thursday, Anawan Weathersfield won two games, 5-3 and 9-2 over Mercer County. In game one, Isaac Melton, Dylan Horry, and Colton Quagliano helped pitch for the victory. Tucker Miller had two hits in the game. In the 9-2 game two victory for the Titans, Amory Jackson and Will Rumbold were the pitchers. Eli Merrick, Colin Hornback, and Brady Kelly all had two hits, while Merrick, Kelly, Tucker Miller, and Cole Chuxel had two RBIs each. Also on Thursday, on the softball field, Hall fell to Erie Prophetstown 6-1. Friday on the baseball field, Princeton KO'd Morrison 14-0. For LaSalle Peru, Aiden Van Duzer did something I don't think I've ever heard of happening in a high school baseball game. He hit Three home runs for the Cavaliers as LaSalle Peru defeated Rochelle in an Interstate 8 conference matchup, 8-6. Woo! Three home runs from Van Duzer. Wow! Also on the baseball field, Hall defeated Barrow Valley, 8-1. Softball, Princeton, 12-1 over Morrison. Fulton beat Hall, 10-0. Seneca defeated Newark, 7-2. For Seneca, Maddie Carpenter, who has been playing well all season, picked up another victory in the circle and had two hits, two RBIs. Boys Tennis, Ottawa grabbed a 3-2 win on Friday, a day after defeating Morris 4-1. Track and field on Friday at the Seneca Irish Invite. For the boys, Pontiac was first with a 129. El Paso Gridley was second with the 116. Seneca took third with the 83. Indian Creek fourth with the 73. Fifth was St. Bede with 63 points. Seven was Plano with 40. Tenth was Streeter with 24. Marquette was 12th with 17. Hinkley Big Rock with nine points came in 13th place. For the girls, Seneca won their own Irish invite. The Lady Irish representing 198 points for the victory. McNamara was second with 76. 
Indian Creek third with 72. Plano had 49 for fifth. St. B took seventh with 40 points. Streeter had 29 points for eighth. Marquette was 11th with 12 points. 13th place was Hinkley Big Rock with eight. And Serena was 15th with five points. While that was going on, Sycamore had a nine-team event of their own. For the men, Sycamore won with a 153. Woodstock was second with 69. The Sycamore women, the Spartans, also won with a 117, while Aurora Marmion had 97 points. Sycamore holding it down at their own Invitational. On Saturday, yesterday, Morris knocked off LaSalle Peru 5-3. The Lady Cavaliers have been on a warpath, knocking off Ottawa from their number one ranking. At one point, LP was six. They had climbed the ratings a little bit. Morris gets the W, 5-3. Morris was down 3-1 in the bottom of the sixth. They come up big at the plate, scored four runs, took the 5-3 lead into victory. Boys tennis, DeKalb took three L's, three losses at the Rockford-Guilford quad. Guilford defeated them 4-1. Hampshire defeated them 4-1. And the Barbs fell to Batavia 5-0. Always another day to get back on the tennis courts. Prove what you're worth. And DeKalb is a solid team. Just ran into some juggernauts that day. And it was hot. I am throwing in this sun to every victory, every loss. Like, this is a key factor. As a coach that was out there, super, super, super hot affects everything. This is an extra, extra, extra shout out to Rock Island Alderman's Tori Thomas. She set the new Illinois record for pole vault of 17 feet, 7.75 inches at the Western Six Conference Meet. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. That's a record. Illinois record, all-time great. Hats off, saluting all those things to Tori Thomas. Awesome, amazing feat. This episode is brought to you by Shimmer Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a community dealership dedicated to being community first. After a bad, 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 bad 2020 in every sense of the bad, 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 Mendota Shimmer Ford wants to make 2021 the best it possibly can with style, comfort, and great deals. Stop by and see the 2020 Ford Escape. It's the last one left, and it's priced to sell. With big rebates, just want you to drive it off the lot right into your driveway. That's what you want to do too, right? Go check out a vehicle, fall in love with it, take it home. That's what manager Ski Hartman and his associates Jason Hintz and Doug Safranek would love to do as they use their expertise and understanding of the vehicle you're looking for to help you roll through 2021 just the way you want. Whether you shop online or at Shimmer Mendota Ford located just south of Mendota on Highway 251. Come check out the last remaining 2020 Ford Escape or the numerous options at Shimmer Mendota Ford as it has a huge selection of new and used vehicles on the lot and even more on the website www.mendotaford.com. For all inquiries at Shimmer Mendota Ford, call 815-539-9314. Yesterday on Saturday, the NBA playoffs began. This is like one of my favorite times of the year, kind of like my Christmas. Love some NBA playoff action. And I kind of like the appetizer they gave us this year with the playing games. I hope it sticks around. The Lakers-Warriors 7-8 game, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. The 7-8 Eastern Conference game between the Boston Celtics and the Washington Wizards. Another good game. Jason Tatum went off for 50 points. Awesome. Then we get to Thursday and Friday's playing games. The final game of the play-ins to see who is all really in the playoffs was just as exciting. Thursday, Washington Wizards, Merck, Indiana Pacers, 142-115. I mean, Indiana just did this to Charlotte. So it was kind of like retribution in a way, but Washington really didn't care who won that game, and Hornets probably didn't care who won this game afterwards. But it's kind of like, hey, you can do it. I guess you're going to have to accept it too. Washington went off. Wizards scoring 142 points to knock off the Pacers. Pacers season is over. Washington is taking the eighth spot in the playoffs. 
The real surprise of this whole thing was on Friday. The Memphis Grizzlies knocked off the Golden State Warriors 117-112 in overtime. Woo, there was nothing in me that was going to say, nope, Golden State's going to get knocked out. They're not going to be in the playoffs. Nothing, 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 nothing would have told me that that was going to happen. I had it penned in, markered in. Okay, Warriors are the 8th seed. No, Memphis had something else for him. John Morant is the future best point guard in the league. He's not there yet, but oh my gosh, is this dude talented. He can do whatever he wants to on the basketball court. He makes his team better. He puts up crazy numbers himself, and he wins. He had 35 points, 6 rebounds, and 6 assists to help the Grizzlies beat the Warriors. I still can't believe I'm saying that. Steph Curry had 37 against the Lakers. They fall in that game by a crazy, crazy three from LeBron James, 103-100. Then he has 39 against Memphis, gets beat by five in overtime. Man, Steph Curry doing everything he could. He is a finalist for MVP with Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. Embiid being from the Sixers, the Joker being from the Nuggets. I think it's going to be the Joker's award to lose at this point. I was going to say to win, but at this point, it's to lose. I don't think Steph Curry, with what just happened, and even though he had great numbers, I don't think he's going to get that award. And Joel Embiid, great player, just that team, they might be the number one seed, but I think Jokic is going to do his thing. He's been doing his thing. I think he's going to take that award. Also, got to give this dude a shout out. Andrew Wiggins has been tons of fun to watch the last month, month and a half of the NBA season. He finished with 22 points and 10 rebounds, a nice double-dub. Saturday, yesterday's playoff games. We'll just quickly go through these. I'll tell you who I think is going to win the series. The Milwaukee Bucks took game one against Miami Heat, 109-107. I think the Heat are going to knock out the Bucks in the first round. I would love it, love it, love it. Dallas Mavericks beat the Los Angeles Clippers, 113-103. I am still going with the Clips. I think they're too deep. They're too big. They're too talented. Clippers are going to knock off the Mavericks. Brooklyn Nets, 104-93 over the Boston Celtics. Nets might sweep this. I love the Celtics. I like what they got going for them. But man, 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 man. James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. 82 points in this game. The three of them. They are a trio that is going to be impossible to stop if they all are healthy and if they all play. Portland Trailblazers 123, Denver Nuggets 109. It's going to be hard for the Nuggets to take this without Jamal Murray. He got hurt out for the season. We know the deal. Jokic, fantastic, fantastic player. Maybe the best in the league this year. It is going to be very, very tough to beat a motivated C.J. McCollum and Dane Time, Damian Lillard. I'm going to go Blazers to take the series. It is going to be seven. I think we're going to have some overtime games. That is my prediction. But I'm really pumped up about these playoffs. A lot of unknowns. A lot of trying to get that team to gel at the last minute with all the injuries and COVID-19 protocols and everything that's been going on. What is actually going to happen when we get down the line? I mean, the defending NBA champions... Los Angeles Lakers had to play a playing game just to get into the playoffs. Yeah, they had to play a playing game just to make it into the playoffs. So, we'll see what happens. This is going to be fun. Let's face it, it's not easy to get into shape or to stay physically fit. There are factors working against all of us, including time and work schedules, lack of a support system, maybe motivation is low, don't want to be judged or criticized of not supporting a gym rat body, injuries or physical restrictions. However, there is a place where these no's or maybes become yeses. LP CrossFit. LP CrossFit, located at the Mall, across from Secret Nails, offers a weekly schedule of classes for any level of fitness. It's not just one time, not just one day a week. There are many options and classes only last one hour. A support group, LP CrossFit is a diverse community focused on fun and hard work. All members know each other's names and support one another during workouts. Motivation, the trainers at LP CrossFit help you reach your goals and get into the best shape of your life with workouts of numerous movements, including body weight, gymnastic, and barbell. Everyone is guided, pushed at a productive and comfortable level. 
If you're an experienced athlete or getting your first taste of physical fitness, everyone is welcomed and viewed as equals. You would go at your own pace. You want to go hard? It's hello, how are you? Go get at it. You want a more relaxed approach? You'll receive the same welcoming. Hello, how are you? Go get at it. Injuries and mobility restrictions are a huge priority at LP CrossFit as all small group classes are coach-led and movements are infinitely scalable for all members. LP CrossFit opens all doors for everyone. Check out LP CrossFit on Facebook or at lpcrossfit.com. Also happening this fantastic Sunday is the final round of the PGA Championship. Some golf action. Phil Mickelson leads right now. Probably my favorite golfer right after Tiger Woods. I mean, my age group, I'm 35. You grew up watching Tiger, grew up watching him dominate everything. He was a man, probably still everybody's favorite. I know he's still mine, but Phil Mickelson is one of the best in the world too for a very, very long time. I hope he gets it. That would be awesome for the PGA Championship. That would be awesome for him. Another win, another awesome, awesome step in his legacy. I mean, he's got a legacy. He is the man. Brooks Capella, one stroke behind him, six under par. Luis Ushazin, five under par. Sorry for butchering the name. I know I just did. And Kevin Strillman is four under. Those are your top four on the leaderboard. They're all going to tee off in about two hours here at 1.30 p.m. Fantastic Sunday. I don't know if I'm going to go outside. I don't know if I'm going to bake a cake. Okay, I'm not going to bake a cake. I don't know if I'm going to clean my house. Okay, I'm not going to clean my house. Might do another podcast. That's a possibility. A really good possibility. It's just one of those days where you just, you dream. Like, mm, I could do this. I could do that. <sighs> I love those. I wish I had those days all the time. Enjoy yours. Enjoy this podcast with our guest, Mike Parsons. Great guy to talk to. Knows the sports. Knows everything about sports. Not just one sport. Multiple sports. All kinds of sports. Local area. College pros. He's your man. He can tell you about anything. Enjoy the show. We will be back very, 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 very soon. Got a lot of great podcasts to let you listen to. Until next time. Peace. What a beautiful day. A little windy, but man, 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 this is a perfect spring-like-ish sports day, and I'm so excited that we got baseball going on, softball going on, tracks heating up, everything is coming around, kind of, sort of, trying to get back to normal, even though seasons are going to be short for high school sports. Doesn't matter, we got sports back in, I would say back in the building, but we'll say back on the fields. And it's a beautiful thing. Right now, on this episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast, we have a guest who's seen it all, been through it all, especially on the baseball field, Mike Parsons. How's it going, man? Good. Good, Brandon. How are you doing? Like I said, I'm doing fantastic now that we got some spring sports going on. you got to be excited, too. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I would be lying if I told you I wasn't going a little, little crazy there the last year, not having sports, but I'm just willing to do anything just to get it back, so... Same here, and it doesn't matter whether you're playing, coaching, media, watching on the sideline, a fan, parent, we all live for this. It becomes a lifestyle, and it, it's almost addicting, to be honest with you. So. For sure. Well, let's get your background. You are from the Kiwani area? Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm originally from Kiwani, Illinois. I kind of bounced around. Uh, my dad had various head coaching jobs, and I bounced around from small, rural, uh, outside of Quincy, Illinois, and then went to Missouri, as my dad took his first varsity coaching position, and then uh, we came back to Illinois where he accepted the position, and finally winded up at Weathersfield in Kiwani. And your dad is Jeff Parsons, who is the coach for the boys' team, Anawan Weathersfield Titans. He's been there for quite a long time, right? So he's been at Weathersfield for, I think, since 04, and he is the athletic director for the co-op for Anwan Weathersfield, and then he is the head boys basketball coach for the Weathersfield Flying Geese. He's been there for about, I want to say, 17, 18 years now. And that's my fault, because every time I hear Anawan Weathersfield or Anawan and Weathersfield, I have the tendency to wrap them both together for every sport, and I know it's not that way. Yeah, he likes to, he likes to be a little bit a part of both, but uh, 
you know, having that mascot as the geese is a little unique. So we like to be able to keep that going as long as we can. And how does it work? Basketball is separate. So we got Anawan and Weathersfield for basketball and baseball, I believe. How do the rest of the sports work? So when I was a freshman in high school in 08, I don't want to age it or anything. I was a freshman in high school in 08, and that was our first year that we co opted with Anawan for spring and fall sports. Um, and then basketball is by itself in the wintertime. And then I believe volleyball is also by itself. Basketball uh, and volleyball are by themselves, and the rest are together. Yeah, I believe basketball and volleyball are the only ones that are by themselves, and then uh, everything else was with Anawan. Perfect. I was curious, and I'm sure listeners were curious too, because co-ops is, is kind of weird as you go and they change and, you know, reform, and it's always different. It's kind of like conferences in Illinois High School. You never really know how it is until you talk to somebody that actually knows. Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. Trying to explain it to a lot of the kids that I went to college with, trying to explain the difference between a co-op and a consolidation was like almost, they kind of give me a deer in headlights look. And I try to explain it to him. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So now that we got a little bit of your background, we're going to get back to, you know, high school with Weathersfield and things like that as we continue here. But the real reason I have you on is now you're an adult, a grown man doing grown man things, including umpiring college baseball games. That's got to be a blast. Yeah, I will say it's, it, a unique experience, to say the least. Um, you know, you go from working in high school where the coaches do it as a hobby, you know, for lack of a better term, and then you get into college where these, it's, you know, this is where these guys make their living. And, you know, they eat, sleep, breathe baseball. I'm not saying high school coaches don't, but you get into college and they're doing this, you know, day in and day out. So it, it, the stakes are a little bit higher when it comes to college games, and there's a little bit more invested into it and you can genuinely feel a lot of the hard work that many of the coaches and players have been through. So you try to kind of replicate that when you're on the field with them. Definitely, definitely. And what levels of college so far have you umpired for? So I kind of got thrown to the wolves. I've only been umpiring for three years now as far as high school goes. This summer, actually COVID was 2020, supposed to be my first year of umpiring college, uh, but due to it getting canceled, I didn't really get an opportunity. Um, now that it's back in back in session, I'm getting the opportunity now, um, kind of getting thrown to the wolf. So this is actually technically my first year. Okay. And what do you mean by thrown to the wolves? Is then they're just throwing you into a bunch of games, or what do you mean by thrown to the wolves? So a lot of my immediate mentors that I've had along the way, whether it be basketball, um, or baseball, a lot of them started umpiring at the professional level at a lot younger age than I was. And they said, they always told me, you know, if I could have gotten it figured out at 19, I'm sure you can get it figured out at 22, 23, 24. Okay. Graduating in 08, you're about 30, 31? I am 27 years old. I thought you said you graduated in 08. I, I was a freshman in high school in 08. Oh. I, I that was... Gotcha, gotcha. Freshman in 08, so you graduated in 12. Yep. Gotcha. That was me being a goof. <laughs> oh, it's all good, buddy. I get it. So you're 27. Yes, sir. So now are you doing junior college, D3, D2, D1? Where are you at level-wise? My first game was actually at Knox College in Galesburg. Um, I had a conference, Midwest Conference game between Knox and Deloitte, which was three man, three umpires, obviously. It was really, it was kind of intimidating just to kind of be at that already Division three level um, without having to go through, you know, the junior colleges or anything like that. But I was working with a couple of guys that I've known for five years. You know, and it, it just made it that much more comfortable to be able to relate to those guys and not feel like kind of out in the open. Okay, perfect. How many games have you done since then? Uh, I've done a, a total of three games. So it's been every, it seems like every weekend since the start of, or the end of March. 
I've kind of been thrown football season in Illinois still obviously going on, which you know. And I'm still working a little bit of high school football. And then on my Saturdays and Sundays, I'm trying to work as much baseball, college baseball as I can. Definitely. What are the other two games that you have umpired? So kind of like what's your base, the distance that you'll go to try to umpire games? So I live in Davenport, Iowa right now, but obviously it's pretty close to Illinois. So that can set my travel limits with my assigners. But I usually, right now, it being my first year, I don't get too greedy. So I use every opportunity to try to, you know, if they need to send me a little bit longer ways, I will. But normally it's been usually an hour to an hour and a half, maybe two hours. Now that you've done three college games, what are the main differences between high school and college ball that you've noticed on the field? Kind of the emotional and physical investment with the kids, you know, you start to look at, wow, this kid's a lot, you know, more physically fit than a lot of, you know, younger kids. But on the other hand, you also do have those high school games where you have those kids that are playing in good division one that are still pretty big and pretty solid. So, you know, you have that balance, especially the D3 level. You know, obviously you do have your division one and division two ahead of it, but there's still some pretty solid athletes at that level. But like I said, it just kind of varies from place to place or, you know, situation to situation. Rewind. Uh, we'll say, you know, 10 years, five years. You ever think you would be doing this? Was this something that, you know, you grew up like, hey, I want to be an umpire, do something with baseball? Or was this just something, you know, along the years and you're watching sports and your dad's a coach and you're learning things? Was this just something you picked up or something that you planned to do? About 10 years ago, I probably was the worst person to the officials that any player could have ever been. You know, I kind of took them for granted, and I just was real, you know, kind of an arrogant young guy. Kind of took advantage of them, never really got to know any of them. But as I slowly progressed from high school to college, I started to realize that some of the best umpires were some of the worst-behaved kids on the basketball floor, on the baseball diamond. And I figured it out because, you know, a lot of those guys that gave those umpires a lot of those fit know how to deal with situations, you know, once they get older, so they can kind of deal with, for lack of a better term, hotheads. I figured that out, you know, it, it was a struggle, and it, I regretted it, but after looking back on it, I was pretty satisfied just to be able to handle some havoc situations going on because, you know, I created a lot of those when I was a player, so... So now it's kind of goes full circle, and now the bad kids, when they're younger, are now running the asylum. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's kind of ironic, but you just kind of take it with the grain of salt, and you, you just roll with the punches. Definitely, definitely. Well, we've talked about your dad a few times, Jeff Parsons, coach at Anwan Weathersfield, or Weathersfield, athletic director for the co-op. What did he think about this? You know, obviously he's your dad, so he saw you as a kid. He saw you, you know, how you reacted with umpires and refs, and now you are one. <laughs> what were some words or some stories that you guys had with each other, like, hey, this is what I'm going to do, Dad? Well, as I started doing it, I kind of was talking to a lot of the other officials I was working with, and they would kind of tell me how, you know, my dad, which I was his manager growing up as a kid, even in grade school, you know, I'd, I'd watch everything that was going on. I'd seen my dad get ejected a couple times. I'd seen my dad receive plenty of technicals. It almost made me want to kind of work harder to understand head coaches and where they come from after seeing my dad kind of create a little bit of havoc towards the officials. Um, it, it made me want to get to know, you know, coaches a little bit better instead of just essentially administering a technical and then moving on it made me work that much harder at the game and kind of gave me a little bit more incentive to be better. When you were in high school or when you were younger, were you a good athlete? Were you in all kinds of sports? So I was kind of forced the hand. I went to a very small school and I knew that I wanted to play at least baseball and basketball. Obviously, because my dad was the head coach in both of them. I also was like, you know, the football field doesn't seem like a bad place to be. And as you probably well know, you've seen the Anaheim Weather Show Titans kind of run across the radar. 
more times than not. So I was like, you know what? I might not play that much in football, but I'm going to enjoy it and have some fun because my teammates are pretty solid. Anyone Wethersfield is a perennial powerhouse in 1A, 2A football. I didn't believe it at the time, but after so much consistency and, you know, Brandon Johnson, who's now the defensive coordinator at Moline, he was my head, my head football coach for all four years. He took our program to the whole next level. The funny story, I've officiated my head varsity football coach at Moline in the big six, but I've never actually had anyone other swim, so. Do they let you as umpires or referees do your schools that you're from? You know, you're an alma mater, you're an alum. Do they let you do that for those games? They kind of leave the responsibility up to the the, uh, the official to make the right decision. I've worked a lot of the younger levels because my dad's the athletic director and obviously he needs officials. So I've worked a lot of the younger levels as far as like, you know, all the sports that I do. But I try to avoid having my dad on the basketball floor because that kind of provides a little bit of a conflict of interest, even though in my opinion, I'd probably be a lot tougher on him than I would anybody else. So, <laughs> the way it should be. Like, hey, Dad, you remember this? I'm calling a tech on you. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I can see that happening. I would I would do that, too. I totally would. He's had it coming for years, so I'm just hoping I can, you know, maybe execute that one day. Definitely. Maybe it can be, like, some kind of, like, exhibition game. Maybe there's, like, an all-star game that your dad's a coach at. Like, umpire that one and toss a couple players out or something. Why not? I try to avoid as much conflict as possible, Brant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's your dad, so there's got to be some. Well, it's my dad, but it also brings a lot of paperwork, so. Ah, uh, gotcha. Okay, makes sense, makes sense. As an umpire, what are your goals? Like, what are some things that when you first started this journey three years ago and now doing college games, what are some goals that you set or things in your head like, hey, if I get the opportunity, I want to do this. What are some of those things? Um, obviously, you know, I've gotten to the Division three level. Uh, my goal is to kind of get to Division two and possibly Division one. Like I said, I've got countless amount of, you know, peers and friends and everything like that that I've watched on TV. I've seen at the professional level. And, you know, I literally can go to their house and then I turn around and watch them on ESPN. And I just kind of thought to myself, if they can do that, I can do that. And, you know, it just makes you work that much harder when you do get rewarded with a higher level game. And you get put in a situation that you didn't think you'd ever be in. You know, it's very humbling, stressful, but it's humbling. And those are kind of the mini goals that I strive for is just getting up to the next level and seeing if, if I can, you know, give those kids 100%. Definitely. And if you get to continue, you know, roughing, umpiring in a, I guess, higher level, what sport would you want to to keep doing that at? Is it baseball? You're going to hate me for this, but basketball is actually probably my favorite sport, and I know you can assume why. But I've been around it since day one. It's my favorite sport to officiate. But baseball, there's such a more higher need for umpires that you can really work up to that level a little bit easier than you would with basketball. Um, there's a lot of kind of intangible factors that go into it, but baseball just seems like the higher level, better outlook for me in the future. And no, I do not hate you for that at all. Basketball is actually my favorite sport too. Really the only sport that I was sort of good at and played more than every other sport. So no, I actually love it. Good. Besides... Wearing the, the zebra shirts, what else do you do uh, for a living, for work, any outside projects? What are some other things that you do? I graduated from Western Illinois with a bachelor's in law enforcement, and I kind of wanted to go down that route. And I started off as a probation officer in Illinois, kind of worked around, and I was, you know, leaning more towards policing. And then after the kind of the year that the police were about to get political after the year that the police had kind of received. I, I just didn't feel like it was it was good for me, and I really wanted to still continue to officiate, um, and that was kind of my dream. So I wanted to 
find a position where I could work, you know, normal office hours and be able to officiate on the side. So I accepted the position at a, a residential facility, kind of like a foster group care in the Quad Cities, um, kind of dealing with some juveniles that either, you know, are in are need of a, a new home or, you know, have some pending charges that they need help kind of getting through and kind of, kind of more in that realm, I really liked it a lot more. That is awesome. Big shout out to you for being able to do that. I mean, those kids in that environment, foster homes, they need a positive influence, a positive role model. So big ups to you. That's awesome. I appreciate it, Brandon. I'm going to be honest with you. I have not been officiating very long, and I I, I got a long way to go, Brandon. Yeah. But yeah. as long as as long as I can give a nice little shout out to kind of the guys that have gotten me to where I am today, that's all that I really wanted to get accomplished. Go ahead. Who are some guys that need a shout out as well? Yeah, I mean, obviously my immediate mentor, uh, they're actually two members of my basketball officiating crew during the year. Todd Olinger has been, you know, kind of a second father to me, and he made it all the way to the, the AAA level. You've got Larry Allen, who's also on my officiating crew that, you know, he's worked in college and worked a lot in the minors, I think at least, I know, I know he's at least made it to double uh, A as far as officiating goes. Joe Evans, him and I went to college together at Western, and he was referred to as kind of the golden child, and he's done a lot for me. Um, he's a young guy that, you know, made it to double A and decided he wanted to start a family, and, uh, you know, I got my rear, very, very close friend, Mike Smola, who actually does Division One softball. And I think he was at Wisconsin this past weekend. And him and I live about 10 minutes away from each other. You know, there's a million and a half mentors that I've had, you know. Uh, Tony Chanel is a huge guy, you know, kind of a more of a life advice guy. In all honesty, most importantly, is kind of my dad. I don't think I'd be here in the situation that I'm in if it wasn't for my father. Um, a lot of, especially at the high school level, a lot of coaches invest a lot of trust in me and kind of allow me to work as a young guy because of my father. You know, most young officials, they get into the game and they receive a lot of, you know, heckling and a lot of stress. And I've been able to somewhat avoid that because of my dad being such a big part of the game, you know, in our area and being a big part of sports, it's just made it that pathway to success would be so much smoother for me. But you would still call technical on him if you had the chance? Without hesitation, Brandon. <laughs> I can hear the whistle right now. <laughs> Every guest on Edge of Your Seat Podcast, we have play a game. We talked before I hit the record button. We're going to do some top fives. We're going to do one, but then I'm like, you know what? Let's do two because you brought up a good point. The good point was is that you could do too. I had said, why don't we do your five all-time top baseball players? And then you're like, that I've seen play or that I've umped or been a referee for? So I'm like, hey, we got two there. Well, obviously, I'm, I'm going to probably make it easy on you. I am one of the biggest Cardinal fans you'll ever meet in your entire life. I don't know how well that'll fit with somebody. But uh, I'm a huge, huge Cardinal fan. But... I would say definitely number five is starting off. I would say growing up was kind of like a Scott Rowland. I really loved him seeing, seeing him on the corner, like professionally. I would say number four, so my granddad, my dad's dad told me that Bob Gibson was one of the best pitchers that he's ever seen. So, and just watching him on video, i definitely say that I would probably go Bob Gibson at four. Definitely number three is kind of... Not everybody likes him, but they respect him, and he's still the backstop for the Cardinals right now. And I would definitely say it's Yadier Molina. Um, he's just kind of a fan favorite, whether you like him or not. And you gotta gotta respect the number two, which is Albert Pujols. His ten years in St. Louis are arguably some of the best years of anybody's ever played the game. And probably number one professional all-time keeper of baseball is Jimmy Edmond. That guy, watching him dive backwards for fly balls in Anaheim, St. Louis, is just, I've never seen a human being be able to track a baseball the way that Jim Edmonds did. 
Nice, nice. I am a huge Chicago supporter, so I rock the White Sox. I do rock the Cubs. Not really a Cardinals supporter, but when Albert Pujols was on his run of mass terror, was mostly my college years and end of high school, then, you know, the beginning of adult life after college. And I remember thinking in my head, especially watching, was it the 2006 World Series? And then a couple of years after that, I'm like, is this guy ever not going to be good? <laughs> like, I remember asking myself that because it just seemed every single year he got better and better and better. And it got to a point like there was no one better than him. He was almost possessed a lot of times. It sure seemed like it. <laughs> it sure did. Perfect. Now let's do the top five of players that you've officiated. Who we got there? I would definitely say, you know, I've had plenty of players, whether it be in baseball or basketball. I just kind of rattle off the ones that I can think of on the top of my head. I would definitely say I could honestly come up with four solid ones, but I'm going to give you four. Perfect. This kid that my dad's got right now, he's a senior in high school. I actually took a break from officiating last year because I was in a bad car accident, and I was actually my dad's assistant for the year that I wasn't officiating, and I was able to watch Colton Quagliano. I don't know if you've heard of that name before. His name has been said on this podcast many, many times throughout the basketball season and now football. I think he just had a game, maybe not this past week, the week before where he had like five or six touchdowns. I've been around sports a long time. I've never been able to see a kid just pick up any kind of ball and just be amazing at it. My high school best friend, Terry, he used to tell me, he said, hey, you know, you better tell your dad to keep at it because there's this kid coming up that's real good. And lo and behold, you know, he gets into high school and he's absolutely shredding everything that he does. You know, he's all state in basketball, all state and should be all state in baseball. If he's not, and, you know, he's beating out the top two quarterbacks for football, stat-wise, and he's not first-team all-state just because of his age. And it's, you know, I've never been able to see a kid do what he does with whatever he's doing. I know he's been turning it up, and like I said, his name has been said on this podcast many, many, many times. He's one of the best all-around athletes I've ever seen. Um, And just his presence of mind, and it just, He's so much more mature, and I, I've never seen him receive any reprimands from any officials. And he just treats everybody with the same amount of respect that, you know, he gets back. That's fantastic. Who are some of the other names you had here? So I got three more for you. So I would say number three was Carlton Fay. So when I was watching him as a young, I was probably in fifth or sixth grade. I remember him being about, I think he was six, seven, six, eight. And he went to Putnam County, and I know you probably heard of that name before. Yeah, believe it or not, I didn't even know him from here because I was at school. I went to Southern Illinois University, and my brother passed away, so I took a about a year and a half break and then went back. And when I went back, I picked up a job that I had that I had from the beginning. I was a SIU game staff, so I was an usher, a ticket taker, a security guy at Every single game, baseball, football, basketball, I think I did some track stuff, I did concert stuff, I did orchestra stuff, and then I started working for the paper down there, and I saw Colton all the time, and we were sitting there, I think it was for a preview story for basketball season, it was during summer, because I was doing summer school, and I sat there and I was like, what'd you do for the 4th of July? And he's like, oh, I was at home, went to the Hennepin fireworks. I'm like, Hennepin fireworks? Like, you're up there? He's like, yeah, I went to Putnam County High School. I'm like, dude, I'm from Mendota, like right there. And we just talked for like an hour about where we were from. Yeah, I mean, even as a young kid, I was even able to speak to him, you know, as Wetter's little fifth grade manager and just be able to have that kind of short little relationship that I had with him. And it was just, it was kind of like, hey, you know, you're beating on my dad's geese, but it, this is pretty, you know, you're you're pretty legit at what they call basketball, so. Yeah, he was a monster. He was pretty good at SIU, too. Yeah, he just, he got so much bigger and more solid and just commanded such a, a big presence down low that it, he, was, he was a problem to deal with. Definitely. Who else we got? My number two, I would say, is a kid that I had recently, about two, three years ago. 
And he is actually, I believe he's a tight end at Northwestern, but he was the third baseman. And him and I had a nice conversation when we were working three-man in high school. He actually went to Dunlap, uh, the Eagles, and they were playing at Galesburg. And my assigner, Todd Olinger, sent me that game. And he said, hey, this, this man Jerry kid from Dunlap is going to Northwestern to play football. And me standing next to him, uh, taking the context, I'm about 5'7", and he's about 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, solid dude, and he was an even better person um, than anything. And what was his name? His name was uh, Charlie Mangieri. The one name I've not heard of so far. <laughs> Pretty big problem to deal with. He's a big dude. I would say the most recent one, and I'm not sure if you've heard of this young gentleman, uh, but his name was Amarian Ellis. And I had him at Central when he was at Davenport Central because I also officiate uh, in Iowa. And then I had him when he transferred to Assumption. Um, and he actually committed to Texas. And then when he found out that Shaka Smart was going to Marquette, he actually ended up decommitting and then committing to Marquette to play basketball. Oh, wow. So we're talking about a legit, legit basketball player. Yeah, he is one of the most athletic kids. He's not very big, but very tall, lanky, athletic, and he can get to the rim very smoothly. I remember having him last year, I believe, and I remember there being a rebound, and he was so versatile that the rebound came off the rim, and he was able to hammer it back in. And I was like, that kid, that's a ball player right there. For sure. It sounds like it. I didn't even see him play it, but with just your story, I'm like, okay, that guy's got game. Definitely. Well, Mike, Mike Parsons, it has been a pleasure to have you on Edge of Your Seat Podcast. We've never spoken before, never met each other. I know your dad through basketball. As you said, he knows a million people, and that's how I met him as a journalist. You're just like your dad, a fantastic guy, great to talk to, told some awesome stories. Again, pleasure to have you on Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, Brian. Thanks for having me on, buddy.